There's not much more satisfying than a smash and grab assault in the city of Adelaide, and FBS is ready to give you a blow-by-blow description of how it all went down. My name is Dave. The podcast you're listening to is in its seventh season, and this is episode 20 of season seven. One of the reasons we have a seventh season is this man, Clarky, who's joined us this season and has been a mainstay. How are you this evening? Dave, you're too kind. Good evening to you. Good evening to all the fuckers out there. I'm fantastic. How can you not be after a a 1-0 win against the old enemy, the Pissants? And to snap that that four-game sort of winless run, couldn't have asked for anything better, really. Yeah, Andy Harper called it a classico. Was he he hamming that up a little bit too much? But I would say no, because in the context of of this league i think it brings the most passion on and off the pitch out of any other fixture in the league even even the the quote-unquote derbies what do you think mate uh yes certainly i mean i think from from a completely vuck perspective i would tend to agree it's the one where you five minutes in of every fixture you're like oh there could be cards here or there could be handbags someone's going to get sent off there's there's a different kind of passion. Like, yeah, we always want to beat Sydney and City, but Adelaide, we want to we want to ride them into the ground and and keep them at arm's length where they've basically been for the entirety of this entire existence of this league, except for a few little fleeting periods. We've always had sort of our hand on their head going, nah, nah, nah. We'll take it from here. <laughs> so it, it was nice to sort of do that again and to, to ride them into the dirt in their own patch where for the last couple of seasons, it hasn't been the happiest hunting ground. So yeah, very fucking happy. The feeling for them is very much mutual in terms of wanting to ride us into the ground. And that's what makes it such a great Mm -hmm. fixture. I really enjoyed the game. uh, And we'll obviously dive into that game uh, with with (laughs) considerable, uh, you know, venom and considerable thought uh, and, yeah, we'll dive right into it. Look, um, Vuckers, tonight it's really just about the matches the Vuck have played and the, the matches they will play later this week. We'll obviously provide an update on the Balls of Steel. And, Clarky, some tin pot club called Manchester United are on <laughs> their way to lose against us in July. Uh, did you hear about that? Yes, I did, Dave. I did. Uh, I'd never heard of them. Oh no, wait, that's that's a lie. Um, they're nominally Aren't you a Man my t- yeah, fan? they're nominally <laughs> my fa- team. But hey, when it comes up against the Vuck, there's only one team for me. So if they were playing anyone else, I would I would probably go down there in, in my red and be a complete nuffy and overpay for a second string squad in preseason. But nah, all about the Vuck in this. Hope we smash them. Indeed, indeed. And look, we'll finish things off by talking about the two matches that the Buck have this week, one of which is tomorrow night. Uh, listeners, majority of listeners, apart from those weirdos, will be listening to this <laughs> tomorrow, uh, today, uh, which is the match day, the Wednesday. Um, but we also preview what is going to be a very, very pivotal Melbourne derby on Saturday. It's our home game. Uh, so you don't have to feel bad about attending and giving the CFG oligarchy any of your <laughs> funds. This is our home game. Make sure you get out there, Buckers, because we really need to um, take all three points from them on Saturday. You've tuned into the best fan-made podcast in the land for Buck's sake. Clarky. Adelaide United, nothing better than this game as we've foreshadowed. It always delivers. It was such an enjoyable game end to end. And for a game that only managed one goal, it had so many highlights and flashpoints. You said there's going to be cards. There were six of them. That's a healthy, healthy register there of uh, cheese slices. Uh, to, To begin with, let, I mean, obviously, we, we started this game extremely well. We set up pretty much the way we had expected. Lee Broxham seems to have taken the midfield mantle away from Ray Maksan, who uh, found himself on the pine again. But strong lineup, 
strong start. Kelleva in goals uh, due to the Acton injury that we mentioned last week and kept a clean sheet. Let's talk about that. In fact, it was our first clean sheet since February. Uh, so very good to finally get that 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 uh, <laughs> get a clean sheet after after such a delay between them. So yeah, Clarky Adelaide came in under man, but and particularly at the back they came in under man. But in all honesty, I would say um, as much as it was joyous to take away the three points, I feel at times uh, they played a brand of football that at times I was envious of, but. It's all about results at the end of the day, isn't it, mate? Yeah, that's it. You know, you've you've got to you can't have all sausage and, and no sizzle, or all sizzle and no sausage, as as the term goes. So, and you know, if if you looked at this game purely on on the stat sheet, you, you'd probably be surprised to go, oh, victory came away with a, with a one nil win. You know, Adelaide had more shots; they had the lion's share of the possession, um, all those sorts of things. They they had more corners, but I don't know. They just didn't really tell the tell the whole story um, in this game for me. I think we we looked dangerous, especially in that first half when we got the ball in transition, um, and you know we looked dangerous in, in transition. And obviously, you know, first in under ten minutes, Marco Rojas gets on the score sheet. So um, yeah. very very happy to see him sort of. Uh, get on the score sheet. He's been building over the last couple of weeks. I think uh, something that I said uh, to our patrons in the Discord is that I feel like he's been gaining a bit of confidence. Last year, he was bereft of confidence, whether it was the game plan, the way he was deployed, but also in his body. But he just seems to not be running into defenders now. He seems to be able to beat them. He's he's turning on that 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 bit of pace that we hadn't seen from him in a while. And I think that comes with the confidence that, okay, soft tissue isn't going to explode if I accelerate here. Mm. And it's just really, really good to see from Marco. Um, so, yeah, um, probably to, to sum up this game, to sort of jump ahead, yeah, we they probably had more of the ball, but I think we were, we were much more dangerous with it. And um, pretty unlucky not to have a second. That one chalked off for offside. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that happens, but another lovely team move. And it's a little bit of fluidity is coming back into that into the team a little bit. Um, we're still losing control a bit at times. We're still inviting teams in at the back end of the game uh, a little bit. But, you know, it, it's, it's an improvement on, on the past few weeks. Certainly, certainly. Now, with the return of our Socceroos, Nick D'Agostino and Ben Falami. They weren't right to start in this one. Mm-hmm. And so we saw the marquee, Chris Economides and Francesco Maggiotta make the starting lineup as a consequence. I think it was fair to say that was expected. Mm. Now we have to talk about Francesco, don't we, mm-hmm. uh, Clarky? Because his pass for Garia for that opening goal was about as good of a crossfield pass for an overlapping fullback that you're likely to see at this level. Mm. Garia then did everything right with his touch and cut back for Rojas, who just went bang. Um, I know that Francesco's come under fire um, on this podcast and just about mm. everywhere else that Melbourne Victory fans converge because, you know, we expected that return on investment. We talked about this last week, him and Economides not providing, not giving us what we need in terms of what their squad status should ultimately. Yeah. But there was that moment and also he had a role to play in that disallowed goal as well, Marjota. Um, yeah. Big improvement. Yeah. Oh, just more involved in the game. Uh, obviously, he's he's got the yips um, in front of goal. Um, but I think something that everybody has said, fans, us, is that his quality in terms of understanding build-up play has always been there. Um, and it's just a matter of him getting involved in the play when he's not taking maybe his opportunities right at the pointy end. It's like the ability to sort of drop back and 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 get him involved and on the ball because we've seen FFA Cup final, this one. He knows how to pick a pass. He, he knows yeah. how to co- contribute in, in build-up play. It, it's just the frustration thing is that when you've got – a striker, you also want to see him hit the back of the net. 
Um, but at the same time, it's also very pleasing that if he's not doing that, at least he's still contributing to the team hitting the back of the net. Um, yeah, yeah. So look, I, I think we just got to take it, um, take it as it comes uh, with with Margiotta. I, I I would absolutely love to see him score more goals. Yes, I was a very vocal um, party in the daggers must start reward the form, but that doesn't mean that I don't want to see Margiotta put mm, the ball in the mm. back of the net. That benefits everybody, harms nobody. Uh, so you know, hopefully he can build on this. Uh, and the confidence, and and maybe there's a suggestion that if if things aren't working with our current number ten, or if Jake Brimmer needs a rest, or this in the game, maybe switch him to a to a number ten type role, get him more involved in the play, and then bring daggers on in front of him. Potentially, they can then be a bit fluid and and sort of play sort of together up top. But then Margiotta can drop in the hole. I think there's options with him, um, and that's the that's the most pleasing thing is that he's not just an out and out striker. It seems he does have the ability to get on his bike and drop deeper and get involved in the play. Yeah, he does seem to me uh, to be effective as that deep-lying forward uh, that can uh, contribute mm-hmm. you know, in those attacking phases of play. And uh, I thought it was encouraging, really encouraging, and hopefully that builds his confidence up because, you know, when that goal went in, the celebrations, it was notable to me that the boys did get around Francesco. You could see uh, I was not that I'm a lip reader but I could lip read Jason Gary I mentioned the ball and it was if you get a chance fuckers you know in mini match or highlights whatever just catch that ball again the vision and, and craft that Francesco showed to split the defense and put it on uh Jason's feet who, who you know had still had a lot of work to do to Jason Guerrier and he, you know, mm. um, I think we may uh, have some news on uh, Jason Guerrier in terms of uh, how people saw his match uh, when we get to Balls of Steel, but um, definitely a great moment um, for that. You know, and look, we called out that last week, the return on investment, Konamides, Marjota, uh, and look, both uh, involved a little bit more this week, which was great. Um Icon is still a little bit concerning for me, though. Um, And I think uh, I've said this to you and I've said this to some of our Patreons in the Discord. I'm getting uh, Marco Rojas vibes of last year with with Economides, coming off some some pretty bad injuries and just not having confidence in, in your body, in your game. He looks short of pace. He's not the absolute most lightning fast player, but he looks he looks like he's running in mud. A lot of the time, and he's and he's just sort of running in straight lines, and his inability to beat players, and it, it just it strikes me a lot as um, Marco Rojas of of last year, and I think that just needs time. But when you're getting paid as much as him, um, people won't afford you as much time because then yeah, the questions natural. start coming out: What are we paying you for? You're a marquee. People sort of demand and expect a, a certain amount of instant impact went in this league when you're paying someone that kind of money. And I just think given the injuries that he's coming off, it's it's going to be a bit of a while back for Chris, who's who hasn't had the best injury record in his entire mm. career anyway. Um so look, it's frustrating with Chris, but there was there was moments of what he can do last week. But I think I think it's still going to be a long road for him. Uh you know, if we can get him cherry right for the point end of the season, that's probably best case scenario. But ideally, you know, almost sort of just using this as a base for next year at this point, because let's face it, we have him on, on a three-year deal um, based off this season. He's not going anywhere for next season. So maybe we play a slightly longer game with him. I know yeah. that's not great in a salary cap league, but <laughs> like we've got people like Ben Falami and, and, and Nishan to, to, to lighten that load a little bit. Yeah, very well put. I think that sums up uh, the situation with Economides. And look, you know, at the start of this season, you know, and prior to his injury last season, Economides was getting those Socceroo call-ups. And it Mm. turns out that the guy that's kind of taken his place in the victory squad, you know, ends up getting the (laughs) call-up. Great, I guess, scenario for us as Buck fans to have that level of, depth uh, and you know, the development um, benefit for the likes of Falami and, you know, to a lesser extent, 
D'Agostino, who's obviously a little bit older. But, yeah, yeah, just really encouraging. Speaking of encouraging, Ivan Kelleva, not, not exactly a scenario where you feel like the <laughs> um, the worries uh, have completely disappeared. There's still no. a sense of dread sometimes when – yeah, particularly aerial balls are coming in or, you know, some some sort of uh, the decision-making, shall we say. Mm. But, you know, his save from Goodwin early in that second half was immense and probably the best save he's pulled off all season. Yep. Offside, admittedly, the, the, <laughs> of <laughs> during course. that particular play. <laughs> but it was a sign of what he can actually do in terms of being able to, you know, I guess shot stop is probably – up there with in, in terms of his strengths. But, look, a clean sheet, his fourth of the season in 18 games, not great, not, great. not no. terrible either. But, you know, we're, we're stuck with Ivan now for a while. And, I, you know, I, I just get the sense he's an emotional guy. He's a confidence-based guy. The clean sheet um, and, you know, having some really good moments in the game will do his confidence a world of good. Yeah, no, I tend to agree. Look, I think um, – the, the game on the weekend is probably the best we can expect from, from Ivan. If, if we were to boil it down into a game, it, it's going to be that he, he's not going to be perfect. Um, and there's going to be moments where he's, he's going to make us like uh, a little bit worried. Um, I guess we're used to the likes of, of uh, your Lawrence Thomas's who were almost a set and forget kind of keeper it's like put Laurie there it's fine he'll deal with crosses he'll come off his line he'll he'll pluck stuff from the air he'll he'll stop insane shots like we were blessed with someone like Lawrence Thomas so it is hard to sort of then come back to the pack mm. and have a bloke that's probably on his best day a six out of ten um you know he'll get the job done in a situation like that but it's going to make you shit yourself a couple of times <laughs> in the process pretty much um so, look, I think that's about as good as we can get from, from Ivan. But as you said, I think he is a confidence player. That clean sheet will do him a world of good. Um, he doesn't mind Adelaide, it seems. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, look, yeah, it is what it is. Although now, who knows, he could be injured. Looks like he might have a bit of a calf injury as well. Um, so we, we might be down to our third choice keeper. Who knows? That was it. Interesting thing to observe in this game. Did you get a sense, Clarky, that potentially there was a little bit of, uh, shall we say, unsportsmanlike stuff at times <laughs> from our guys? And I, I don't mean that in um, a particularly negative way because it happens in football the world over. And, mm -hmm. of course, when it happens against us or a team that we follow, you know, it's obviously – Waving a red flag to a bullet just makes you angry. And, you know, mm -hmm. I could, it was obviously getting up the noses of everyone there at Hyatt and Marsh, except for that navy blue corner there. But it, how much of the, you know, the the injury scenarios, there was Speranovic went for a Greg Luganis tumble turn role when he was taken <laughs> down once. Davidson went down for a bit. There was obviously Caliber, who you mentioned. There was, you know, and obviously our sort of, Professional but persistent fouling at times in the game as well was quite noticeable. How did you see it? Yeah, um, I don't think it's any worse than than teams have done um, against us or against other teams. I think it's one of those scenarios where I think we played well, but when you start to be a bit more pragmatic when you're in a 1-0 lead away from home, <laughs> call it pragmatism, call it shithousery, call it whatever you want. Sometimes you just need to chew up <laughs> the clock a little bit. Shithousery um, indeed, yes. Yeah, I, I don't think it was anything egregious. It, we're not talking, um, you know, uh, teams from from the Asian region who who you breathe on them and then they they roll. We demand an investigation. Minutes. Yeah, we're not we're not getting stretches out for every little uh, niggle, but we we definitely understood that uh, Adelaide as a team and the the people in the stands were were frustrated and, and we played on that a little bit. We you control the pace of the game um a little bit yes. by that and and that's popovich that's popovich at his best when he he knows how to manipulate every little aspect of the game whether it's dominating possession and controlling tempo like that or just being able to be a bit of a shit bloke and just slow stuff down a little bit frustrate <laughs> you know be a bit of a prick um and and that's what you get from popper and and 
a bunch of blokes in there in, in our team are extremely experienced campaigners, whether it be in the A League or other leagues or yeah, over the yeah. world. So they know as well. They get a, they have the best sense of it on, on the field. The players when maybe they're they're losing a bit of control or or you know time is 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 not slipping away as quickly as they like. So these players know when to 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 make some more out of something than than usual. So look, I don't think it was anything horrendous, but uh, but I do love seeing Carl Viet fucking lose his brain. <laughs> yeah, things really got spicy in that second half. And look, um, you know, on on balance of play, obviously Adelaide had most of the ball. You mentioned that, but mm. you know, the, 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 before we even get to the chalked off uh, Rojas goal, and I'll get to why I am still calling it a goal. Mm. Um, in the fifty seventh minute, we should have gone two nil up. Uh, Economides, you know, we mentioned him. You know, he missed a fairly easy chance, frustratingly, after Brimmer and Marjota combined to put him through. And may I add, Jake Brimmer's pass for Economides in that moment was exquisite. And, you know, Jake comes in and out of games a lot. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes there are certain scenarios where he is noticeably good. And then there are other scenarios where he's noticeably bad. That's when he's at his best, when he's popping through passes like that. Uh, and I thought it was excellent. When he's trying to beat players or, you know, uh, trying to advance the ball through sort of you know, artistically or trying to just thread his way through. Mm. I don't like seeing that, Jake Brimmer. It's, I prefer him to be that kind of more playmaking midfielder. And that was really good. But mm. obviously... Economy, he's missed that chance. But two minutes later, Marjota did really well, really, really well to set Rojas, who finished even better. Like, oh. you just love to see the marker of old. Yeah, yeah. And it, you know, hits, hits the upright, goes in. And for me, it's absolutely bonkers for that goal to <laughs> be ruled out. Um, I, I really, this shits me and absolutely nothing wrong with it. And I'm sure there's some VAR purist out there listening to this or, you know, is of the view, well, if it's, you know, offside by a fingernail, then it's it's offside, you know. But Mm. I don't know, like, how is that good for football? You deny the the travelling support an amazing memory and celebration. That's the first thing. At a time when the sport is struggling more than ever, right, the sport at the moment is, (laughs) I won't say on its deathbed, it's not quite there, but the league is in a real low place right now. We've talked about this already. Mm. Um, How is it better for the sport as a spectacle when you suck the life and enjoyment out of a game in that manner? So you have a a backs against the wall scenario, you know, it's a cauldron at Hindmarsh and, you know, We've been there when you know, there's been great results like that. And you honestly, it's it's like a siege mentality. And when you score that mm. goal, there is nothing better in that town as a victory fan when you're there to have that experience. <laughs> yeah, to hit the ta- deny, to hit the pubs after the game, after a good win. It's always oh, good in Adelaide. You deny the beauty of the build-up work from Davidson, Majotta, and of course the eventual finish. Even Harper, you know, who's usually a sort of by-the-book kind of guy, was like it should have been awarded when he's, seen the replay clarky had to vent there <laughs> i don't no, mind but yeah right. i just i was i was enraged by that yeah it, it's a tough one var var uh, as a construct really sort of sucks the life out out of things and and i understand the arguments that you know you about getting the decisions right and this that and the other but i don't know Football's about feel sometimes. Look, I, I don't have too much of a problem with VAR or automated offside rulings, um, but VAR as a whole can can get in the bin, really, because it, it, it hasn't really solved any of the problems that it's it's set out to fix. It, it's only created a more fractured, yeah. fragmented, um, up-for-interpretation rule set um, that then you know, then, you know, the, the, the powers that be go and adjust rules and it, and it makes it no clearer. Like that some of the handball rules as a result of VAR have just made it farcical. So look, we, we could spend an entire yeah, you know, three hours ranting about it, but we won't. It would have been lovely if that had gone in and it would have been, it would have made those would have put it to bed. 
would have made that last little bit a little bit more easy going because my blood pressure was through the roof those last few minutes. It's like, come on, just hang on. We were so used to conceding another one and a 1-1. One, one. I'm just like, not again. We have to get away with the points, but we did. So happy yeah. fucking days and get it up here, piss ants. <laughs> the blood pressure. You're not wrong because 88th minute, Goodwin, as is his go, like oh. puts in a sublime cross. But realistically, it was a moment of Ivan Kalava madness again. He did, <laughs> the, 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 the cross came into the far post. He's completely misjudged the flight of it. And, yep. you know, he should have gone for it. He was fortunate. Uh, and we, as a result, fortunate. Irakunda wasn't quite able to connect, even though it sort of, got through and Davidson was there and Speranovic ended up sort of frantically clearing it. But that's the moment where you get worried with Ivan. But look, it wasn't to be for Adelaide. Uh, we held on uh, much to our delight. And that uh, results in seven games unbeaten. When you say seven games unbeaten after four draws, um, you know, being part of that, uh, it's a different takes on a different complexion this week after a, a, a win on the road. So it's a bit of a polished turd, isn't it? Like it's indeed, indeed. But it potentially and hopefully will set a foundation for the weeks ahead, which is the pointy end of the season, which just feels like it's going forever. But balls <laughs> of steel, balls of steel, and there's a, a particular man, Clarkie, who showed some immense balls of steel. Yeah. This week, they were, they were shining, oh, glistening they, they, in the sun. <laughs> they certainly were, Dave. So, with three votes, is uh, Jason Guerrier this week? Wow. Absolutely, what a Furious impu- performance was everywhere. I thought our entire back four was was incredible that night, but but Jason Jason stood head and shoulders above the rest. His his tireless work rate is just incredible. I just I get tired watching him do one lap up and down the side of the pitch there, but he, he just does it the whole freaking game. Um, incredible. So three votes, Jason Guerrier, another two to Marco Rojas, our Kiwi Messi, um, and mm. one to uh, Jason Davidson, who's now polled in three straight games as Davo. So the leaderboard, Davo's still out on top. He's now 17 points. He's opened up a, a bit of a lead on, Marco Rojas and Lee Broxham, both on 12 points. Jake Brimmer is on 11. Jason Guerrier has been quietly putting, together, yep. quietly putting together a season, and now he moves into um, the equal fourth slash fifth spot on 11 as well. And then we've got Ben Falami rounding it out with 10 votes. So yep. thank you to everyone who's who's voted so far. Um, it's great. Thanks again to, to Dave Matteo for... Uh, Aggregating all the votes for us, making making our life really easy, and uh, bringing balls of steel sort of absolutely unheralded professionalism in its in its seventh <laughs> season. Or for fuck's sake, never have the votes been more accurate, except for round one when I was up for counting them and I fucked them completely. Um, <laughs> never has balls of steel been so professional. So thank you all for for voting. And two things to actually uh, take away from uh, Balls of Steel this week. Jason Guerrier actually may have broken a record in terms of the unanimous nature of the three votes this week. Bud's called this out for us um, when he was um, passing on those details to us. Guerrier polled well uh, and truly more than anyone else in this game. It was incredible. The other thing you mentioned, Jason Davidson has um, stormed out to a 17-point count, uh, five ahead of Rojas. Jason Davidson doesn't mind his own work. He was caught midweek liking our tweet regarding him taking the leaderboard spot. We're here for it. So, Jason, um, we know you're listening because you like hearing about how good you're going. And, you know, we are absolutely here for it. We love that you're getting around the balls of steel. Uh, and hopefully at the end of the season, we'll be able to present you with the uh, uh, engraved trophy that will resemble, hopefully, two balls of steel or something like that. I think <laughs> we previously uh, awarded it to Marco Rojas at a um, victory medal night. So hopefully that can happen again he, he didn't season. seem overly stoked on it, did he? Did Marco? No, I think he was just like, "What the fuck is this, mate?" <laughs> <He's> just, <laughs> what is this, bro? Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's 
he's a, he's a champion is is Marco but yeah look yeah, it's it's a it's a wonderful award I think we've talked about it enough um actually Clarky before we move on to other topics I did forget to say something about Lee Broxham last week of course it was his 350th game for the club which is the most um a player has ever played for one club um and of course Nikolai Topol Stanley uh this week broke the record of the A-League, I think. Uh, but, of course, he's been at multiple clubs. Now, I just wanted to revisit this very briefly because I forgot to mention this last week. And Lee Broxham has done this for a club that has arguably arguably been the best over the duration of the A-League and certainly the biggest. And I just think this is not taken into account by people potentially outside of Melbourne Victory who sort of see Lee Broxham as this plotter, right? Now, people outside of A-League spheres in this country might laugh, but if they do, it's on them for their inability to think beyond their own spheres. Let's Mm. compare Melbourne Victory to, say, a club of the NSL region, a well-respected club like Adelaide United. Beg your pardon, Adelaide City, for example. (laughs) Um, We don't respect Adelaide United on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) That was not deliberate, I assure you. Um, But look, both clubs, iconoclast clubs of their respective eras. No one would argue that at all. Respected by all in their respective leagues. Uh, Even now in the NPL, Adelaide City have that respect. Would we ever question... Would anyone in their right mind, be they A-League or, you know, non-A-League fans of the the game in this country, would we ever question the game's record holders of any of the legends of Adelaide City? You know, some of the names, obviously, Alex Tobin, Milan Ivanovic, you know, Damien Mori, you know, absolute legends of the game. No, we look back on them fondly uh, and acknowledge that, you know, to do that at a club, you know, that Zoran Matic club, um, Adelaide City in the NSL days was legendary. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'm just wanting to add that little footnote on mm. Lee Broxham's career because I'm keen to really ensure that the naysayers out there understand the very small lens from which they view these important questions. Now, Clarky, we mentioned in the intro, little tiny club, Manchester United, on their way to... Take on that man, Lee Broxham, and uh, the rest of Melbourne Victory. Uh, look, MCG, you know, I've got, I've it's got crap for football. You know, cynical kind of maybe slightly jaded view of these things. Look, I understand why they are organised and I know it's big business and it's all about brands and promoting Manchester United in a market. And I understand that it's a wonderful thing for Victory to have gotten gotten the gig, so to speak, and my boys Crystal Palace are coming out as well. So I understand all of that. Mm. Um, July 15th at the MCG, so tickets have started to uh, be purchased by, uh, obviously, you know. Those who can afford them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Clarky. So um, apparently we are the away fans in this game. Yeah, that's fucking disgusting. Even though it's in our no, city. So that, that really sticks in my craw. What about you? Yeah, no, nah, that's that's piss. Like, yes, the, the whole reason this is happening is is that, you know, Manchester United is coming down and they're a huge global brand. You know, everybody knows them if, if you follow football. Even if you don't follow football, you know who Manchester United is. So I get that. But, you know, Real Madrid would never play in Manchester and Bill over over United. I mean, maybe that's a, a bad analogy because they're both massive clubs, but uh, I'm not having that we're the away team. Well, this is our home. This is our city. Um, and even though we don't play at the MCG, um, that that's our ground for that evening. So I, I, I'm not having that at all. That's, yeah. that's, that's oversight. But look, at the end of the day, do I it, – it's shit, but – whatever this whole these whole preseason things are a bit of a circus anyway uh so it's not it's not really about you know losing too much sleep over something like that so i don't lose sleep over it but it does remind me a little bit of um the story that's retold in john didalitz's book 
um, mm. and in the, the podcast format as well of when AC Milan came to Melbourne to play against the Socceroos uh, at the time. And I won't obviously go through that whole story, but it speaks to that cultural cringe side of things that we don't value ourselves enough in this country to be the top billing when a visitor comes. And I think even though it's potentially diminished somewhat since those days, it's the thread of it that is still there that just bothers me um, that, that we don't see ourselves in that light. Um, Absolutely. Same could be said for how you say that people don't give Lee Broxham the, the kudos for, for, <laughs> for what he's achieved. Obviously, that game's coming. Um, you know, we'll, we might go. We'll see how we go. Maybe there's, yeah. maybe there's some opportunities there. We'll see, we'll see how we go. I don't think I'm going to pay 100 bucks to go. That's for sure, though. Because um, yeah, 100 bucks yeah, will get you the back row of the uh, Shane Warne stand. And, uh, I haven't even looked at the prices. And as someone who went, who was in the back row of that stand for the game against Liverpool? It's it's definitely not worth the cash. So, yep. <laughs> not that we are telling people not to uh, go. No, if but... you want to pay for it, <laughs> sweet. But I've got better ways to waste hundreds of dollars, and I do that weekly anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, very good. Look, a uh, little little thing to mention uh, in relation to Alex Chidiak. Uh, one of the successful A-League women's players has signed on for Racing Louisville FC. Now, I have to admit, some of the uh, American in the MLS, but also in the, the leagues below it, some of the names are awesome, and this is no exception. Uh, Glarky, uh, it's a shame to lose Alex, but it's obviously – speaks to that sort of exodus that tends to happen at the end of uh, the A-League women's seasons where obviously we lost a couple to, to Sweden and, and now to the US. Uh, what do you have to say about it? Uh, all I can say is that I hope Alex uh, comes back one day. Yeah, well, given that the um, NWSL and, and the um, A-League women's tend to, to be at opposite ends, so one finishes and one starts, there, hopefully there is scope that because there's not really a clash that she comes back because Alex only, obviously she came partway through the season and only signed for that season. But, you know, you don't want to give up a, a reigning victory medalist and someone who was instrumental to the, to the championship without a fight. So That's right. this is arguably good for her to, to continue um, her, her development as a footballer because you forget that she's only like 22, 23 years old as well. Um, she plays far beyond her years. So, you know, that she's getting more game time um, in, in a good league is a good thing. But hopefully um, JD and, and Caroline can can keep those lines of communication open with her and hopefully get her to sign a new deal to come back um, to defend um, to defend the, uh, the A-League women's title and, and try and drive... Go for a three Yeah, drive Jeff Hopkins' team and the girls for, for I think... A three-peat. I'm not sure if that's unprecedented. I'm not sure if City's done that or if um, we'd, we'd be the first to do it. But e either way, a three-peat's a three-peat. So I think that'll be the Damn goal for involved. And she would be a huge part of that in the plan. So I have trust in um, in JD and, and CC to uh, to get that done because it also yes, appears we're, like we're she had a, had a very good time here um, while she was here. We're on acronym terms with the uh, conchos at the club now. J D oh, yeah. C C A P. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very Wait good. Till I say that Very good. Man, and then John Delitz is like, don't call me that. And I'll be like, sorry, yeah. John. <laughs> sorry, Mr. Delitz. <laughs> Scurry back to my table. <laughs> Eat my fucking dessert. <laughs> yeah. But don't worry. Uh, Mitch Austin won't be there this time around. <laughs> so no chance of. Uh, any thieving of desserts <laughs> at the FES table. Uh, nah, very good, very good. Look, um, yeah, so look, that's that's uh, it for the sort of little bits and pieces. There hasn't been you know, a great deal to talk about, so we're going to jump straight into the previews for this week because we have the Perth trip today slash tomorrow, depending on when you're listening to this. And normally, normally, Clark, yeah, our um, feelings about a trip over 
to West Australia would be filled with trepidation because mm. you know, not a happy hunting ground at all for us. No. Uh, and Perth did us early in the season in Melbourne. They tonked us 3-0. That was a terrible day at uh, Amy Park. Uh, really knocked the stuffing out of me. And um, But, you know, we play them tomorrow night. HBF Park, 9.05 p.m. Melbourne time. So it's a good, good time to tuck in to some vuck after dinner. Um, mm-hmm. No Roderick Miranda. I learnt today that his suspension is actually for two games. I don't know, maybe it was, I don't know, violent conduct in terms of the, the, the nature of his challenge or, you know, I don't think it was due to previous bookings. I don't think that's how that works. But, look, basically the same squad for this game as what we had for Adelaide. Mm-hmm. Really great time to play Perth, isn't it, mate? Because they're in a state of flux transition and they're going to be missing quite a few players. Yeah, they, they definitely are missing a few. I mean, obviously the much publicised Daniel Sturridge is, is nowhere to be seen. Um, I'd be surprised if he's even still in the country, to be honest, but uh, maybe he is. Maybe he'll get on the park at some point. If, if they're waiting for finals, they better get a wriggle on, though, because Perth are absolutely gash. Um, obviously, they got rid of Richard Garcia a couple of weeks ago, and I believe Ruben Zadkovic, A-League royalty Ruben Zadkovic, royalty in, in the meme factor of things anyway, um, is at the helm. So, <laughs> look... <laughs> I still oh. laugh at that video, the one that uh, J, uh, JFX uh, on YouTube, he compiled of all the Ruben Zadkovich's, Zadkovich misses over the years in the A-League. Oh, uh, yeah. Zadkovich from 38 yards is, is legendary. Like, <laughs> the back row seating has never been safe. Uh, <laughs> but, but, yeah, look, we look at this on paper and we go, fuck, we, we should do them. Um and it would be great for our confidence, especially coming into the second game that we've got on Saturday against against Melbourne City. So, uh, look, so I think we we really really need to capture this momentum now that we've gotten um, f- from from this win in Adelaide. And this again is a, is one of those catch up games, so it's important. We're still only played eighteen. Everyone else in the top six has played twenty twenty one games. So. This is still our opportunity to pick up those games in hand and really give that top four a shake. Um, so, look, we, we should get it done. But for me, the, the, the thing that I really – it's, it's a, a huge test for the victory is um, Matt Spiranovic playing two probably 90-minute shifts in a row, including a trip to, to WA. It's, it's really going to test the, uh, the old boy who's been, let's say, nursed and guided through this season. Um, so – We'll see how he goes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, while you're on that topic, we, we've seen that, you know, Matthew Bozanovsky, who we sent out to Wellington on loan, has barely played. Mm. Um, I think he's had like one or two appearances, tops, you know, no more than 90 minutes total, I would say. I don't know mm. the exact figures, but... Well, obviously, we can chuck Brock's back there, Mark Sands fit and everything. But look, there will be – I can't see Popper not rotating here to some extent. There'll be some preservation given the derby on the Saturday. Um, so yeah, he might, agreed. you know, take a take a, an approach that preserves uh, one or two players, uh, particularly some of those vital cogs. Now, um, hey, mate, uh, you have a bit of a WA – origin or history or some form um, of connection, my, don't you? My, to... my dirty little secret, yeah. Yes, I, yes. I actually... no, we, won't, we don't have to go into that. I just wanted to... <laughs> uh, look, uh, I, have I you was, ever been I to was... HBF Park? Uh, no, I haven't. So I was born in, uh, full disclosure, I was born in WA, um, left at a very young age to come to to the promised land of the Democratic People's Republic of Victoria. <laughs> so for all intents and purposes, I consider myself a Victorian. If if you don't think I am, no, well, you then are, you are. shove it up your ass. But uh, <laughs> yeah, look, you couldn't pay me to go back there pretty much. So uh, look, I haven't been to HBF Park, but since, the, since that little bit of a redevelopment, it looks like a pretty good place to watch football. Too bad there'll be only like a thousand people there if, if Perth's crowds this season or anything to go by. So yeah, the reason I, I bring this up, Clark, is you know maybe it's it's story time. It's like gather around the campfire, you know, and let <laughs> Uncle Dave tell you a story about how you know went to HBF Park and it wasn't for a buck game. I so in a, in a in a previous job, um, 
prior to the one that I have now, I um, used to travel interstate a fair bit and used to really try and time it with football matches uh, where possible. And oh, yeah. um, this wasn't a, um, a Buck uh, and Perth game, but it was Perth glory against Melbourne City. I think it was like the first or second year that Melbourne City were had turned from Melbourne Heart to Melbourne City. And we got a couple of Perth mates and met up with them at the pub. And, mate, real bucket list. Bucket list situation. I got to stand in the shed with those blokes. They lit an outsider in, did they? You fat bastard. You (laughs) fat bastard. Your shit. Ah." Got to actually sing it with the Perth fans towards <laughs> City, which was great. I think it might have been Buzanis in the goal there. But oh. this time they actually have a slightly fat bastard that they'll be, they'll be saying that to in uh, Ivan Kalava. Just jokes, Ivan. But, um, yeah, look, it, it's not it fat, was it's real. Thick. We like to be called thick, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm in that camp too. Don't you worry, mate. Wait till you see me on Saturday at the Derby. There's, there's been, a, there's been a growth in the, in the uh, waste region, I reckon. After that seven days of ISO, oh, geez, people were bringing around all this food, which was great. But, yeah, I didn't get to go to the gym or anything like that. So, yeah, there's that. But enough about uh, Uncle Dave's story time. We'll we'll leave that there. After that Perth game, the boys are going to fly back and take on City Football Group at Swan Street Stadium, 7.45 p.m. April 9th. That's this Saturday Look, taking points from them is absolutely vital. Um, I don't think, you know, mathematically, there's obviously a chance we can still haul these other Victorian clubs, shall we say, in, but it's mm. unlikely. But in terms of momentum heading into the finals and sort of that psychological edge that could potentially be established from a, a, a strong win uh, with, you know, let's hope. 14, 15, or 16 plus thousand buckers screaming, uh, baying for blood. Uh, let's let's hope that happens. But obviously, you know, a massive game and likely that we'll see each other again in finals. Clarky, I didn't we didn't ask about we talked about what we think might happen in Perth, but let's let's get down to brass tacks here with with Melbourne City. I feel pretty confident with where we're at mentally as a as a club. Um, and we, we had that draw with them last time around. Uh, I feel like we can do them. We're, we're at full strength. Miranda will be back for that one. Yeah, look, this pains me to say, but I've, I've had to say it over the last couple of seasons that they're the benchmark and, and you know, they're on top of the ladder now and, and, and they're a very bloody good side. But I think what we've proved, um, proved this year is that they're gettable. Um, yes, we haven't taken a win from them, but nor have they beaten us this season. So two draws so far. Um, and this is now our home game, as you said. Um, might add it, it's our first ever home derby at Amy Park. So that's... Is that right? Yeah, because normally we would be doing those at, at that Solus Marvel Stadium, Eddie Had Stadium, all that. So, so I, wow, I'm, I've yeah. completely... Yeah, that slipped my mind. Well, good pickup, man. Yeah, so look... I think they're gettable. Am I super confident? No. I think we can win, but I just don't know. Like, you just feel like they've potentially got another gear, and even though they're they're a better side and and they should be leaving us in the dust, they still carry a a chip on their shoulder where even though they've won a trophy now, um, this is still their grand final because we, we give them relevancy. They only exist because of our success um, and the powers that be wanting to just leverage the, the, the swell of support in, in this state um, from our success. Um, so they'll forever carry that chip on their shoulder. It doesn't matter if they win the league um, again this season. They'll still be our, our little bastard brother. Um, they'll always be in our shadow. And, and, and they know that. So that's why they always come to play against us. So, look, it's going to be a tough one. Um, I can't really predict a score on that one. Um, my heart says one nil Vuck, but but my head probably says something like a score draw, like a one one or a, or a two two. Now you see, I think we'll we'll do them because I think the midfield battle um, 
will be won by us. Um, I, I honestly feel that on their day, Berlante and um, Brimmer and, and Mark Sun, who I would think would be the appropriate player to play in that game, uh, just to ensure that that front third of theirs just uh, don't get off the chain too much. Um, I think the wealth of options that we have now, like we we have a scenario where, you know, we can play Economides, Rojas and Marjota, but, you know, there's three equally good players in D'Agostino, Falami and arguably Nishan that can come in and do the business as well in that scenario. Mm. Whilst you peel away Naboo and McLaren and Leckie, uh, who have been patchy, all three of them, um, obviously there's Tilio who is, is a gun, um, but look, their, their Italian guy, Pucciarelli's done fuck all this season. Um, Kolakowski you know, hasn't really taken his opportunities as well. And defensively, you know, Nuno race hasn't been playing. Galloway's been out injured. Um, they're important players for them. So they're gonna have to rely on, you know, that spud like Roston Griffiths and, um, I don't know if race is going to be back for this one, but, and look, Scott Jamison will, will just, you know, hopefully uh, see clean heels of the likes of Marco Rojas. Um, and I think, you know, we have the opportunity to get under their skin a little bit because Amy Park's more of that cauldron. Uh, all we need is that, that sort of 15 to 16,000 number to really, you know, we know when it's like that, like it was at the FFA Cup final, that sort of number, that it is just insane um, what Melbourne Victory supporters can bring on match day. Um, and this is, you know, in, you know, if you consider the history of the club and where we're at in terms of crowd numbers and everything like that, this is kind of at a lower end, mm. right? But we know that even you know, the, the people that are still showing up to these games, the, in the game on Saturday, are the most passionate uh, and have stuck mm. with the club through this tougher time. And they'll be, they'll be ready. Um, so I think it'll be different to the away derbies that City are used to playing. Because yeah. you know we, we're all packed into that one end. This time it'll be more of a three hundred and sixty degree thing. And you watch, their fans will barely show up this Saturday. They'll get they'll that, have that little corner. They'll they'll, they'll bitch about it and night. they won't sell it out, will they? They'll no. bitch that. Oh, we and, and we, we fill bay after bay after bay for their home game. So that, let that just be a reminder to anyone who's in any doubt out there as to who is the number one club in this town. So that's what it's all about. So get out there on Saturday. Hopefully that's enough of a rallying cry for everyone <laughs> like out there it, who's Dave. listening who's thinking maybe, oh, maybe I won't go, or oh, maybe, oh, you know, we can only finish third. Nah, bullshit. Let's put them in their place this Saturday night, Buckers. Yep. All right. And on that note, on that note, Clarky, I think we'll call it an evening because uh, – it's uh, it's Tuesday. Daylight savings has ended. It's a bit colder. It's a bit darker, and I need my beauty sleep, mate, uh, so I can uh, replenish and, and and be right for the rest of the week. But uh, it's good chatting to you uh, as always, mate. Uh, hopefully, Budza will be back with us next week. Maybe even Jace. Maybe even Jace. We'll see how we go. Everyone's busy and chaotic. Anyway, on the vac. Mon the vac.